He scored twice against Fort Lauderdale in that 5-2 game. I do not remember that. Close to three years, I guess. Yeah, two and a half. Uh, <laughs> Damn it, I was afraid to take a shot. Oh, I had yeah. four years. This game against Fort Lauderdale, the scorer is Christian Ramirez, Khalif Al-Hassan, Daniel Mendez, Ibsen, and Ibsen. Those are the days. Hello and welcome to the 551 Podcast. I am Wes Berdine and I am uh, in a room full of gentlemen. Eric Silva uh, Brenneman is next to me. Yeah, yeah. Uh, And then we've got uh, Rodrigo uh, Chavaria. What's what's the middle? I'm sorry. (laughs) That is horrible. (laughs) I'm going to start this over. (laughs) Somebody clap. (laughs) Wow, wow. I, 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 am, I am great. Thank you. Thank you very much. Latinos with all those names. Whatever your name is over there. So I've got Sam Douglas next to me. I'm Sam Nicholson, oh, all right? Oh, man. I'm Lafayette's uh, cousin of Sam Nicholson. That's what about I, having like like a like a Brazilian soccer player? Everyone should just have one name that they go by. Nickname. Just Rodrigo. And then Alex uh, Dirk Coit, uh, Schiefer Decker, <laughs> is in uh, Philadelphia. There's four of us on today, which just... And, and, uh, and uh, we, we should also note that um, because Eric is here and because we're celebrating Ibsen scoring a goal, um, uh, we've got Caipirinhas in, in the... Uh, caipirinha pro uh, povo. In the St. Paul branch. Um, I don't know if you're drinking anything or just eating panikouk in, in Philadelphia to celebrate. Yeah, yeah just, just stroop waffles, actually. Okay. Just a huge <laughs> stack of them. That's totally Great. Brazilian. Yeah, yeah. No, he just he just can't not be Dutch. Um, uh, so, uh, so anyway, we are going to um, talk about soccer, and uh, and that's what we're here to do. Um, uh, sorry, I'm totally. I'm really disannoyed with myself. See, this is what happens when none of us are called a cult. Called up for international duties. I know. Mm. I have nothing else to do. Yeah, right? yeah. So um, before we we are going to talk about Minnesota United against uh, Chicago Fire. Uh, it was a big win, home game, etc. Beautiful day. Uh, but let's get just kick off with just a, a few little things. With the we don't have a good, bad, and the weird. We just have a good and bad, and then nothing. Unless any of you can, any of you can like think up a weird suddenly and throw it in. But I'll start us off with the good. Uh, I don't care about the U.S. men's national team right now because they're just playing worthless games. I don't even know who they're going to be playing next week, but I do know um, this six foot four striker, twenty one year old guy, Andrea um, Noki Novakovic. Uh, I don't know what his middle name is. <laughs> uh, he's a Serbian English American kid. His mom, I think, was born in England. But anyway, he's got a long story. Steve Steve Goff for the Washington Post had a really good profile of him. He's from outside of Milwaukee, so we'll forgive him that much. Mm-hmm. Um, but a scanny boy who's been tearing it up. He has seventeen games in seventeen goals in twenty eight games in the the Dutch second division, um, which uh, you know apparently you can score that many goals in the American second division, but it's not as good. But that's uh, just like <laughs> Christian Ramirez gripes. Um, anyway, I'm excited about this guy. He's six foot four, but apparently he's really good with his feet. Uh, you know, I, I don't think that th- this is like new hype train big, but it's cool to see. It's cool to see guys like this kind of show up and 
whatever. I, I don't know. But you cool. guys who actually have teams that are building toward something interesting, are there good international games that, that you're looking forward to this weekend? I mean, Brazil's playing Russia, so, I mean, they'll probably pick the Goyais, like, fourth or fifth or sixth division, or, uh, yeah, division yeah. team and, and let it run. Um, I can't even remember, to be honest. I, I don't I don't so remember. You're that excited. I'm that excited, <laughs> yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> yeah. It, it might be fun to see, like, the, the second and third stringers get out there and, and do something and kind of see what they're capable of, but, I mean, I don't think anybody on either side is really going to take it too seriously. <laughs> Not worth Paulinho, that's for sure. Right. Yeah. No, Paulinho's too precious at this point. They'll bring it. They'll actually, Fat Ronaldo will show up. You know what's funny? Um, and he still play better than most. That's of right. That's true. He'll still beat the oh, yeah. terrible. One Russian of my buddies team. from Hugh Verge actually tweeted. I remember it was yesterday or today. He had the the lineups, the current lineup that's going to go for this friendly, and will probably. Oh no, I'm sorry, not for this friendly. It'll probably be starting for the World Cup, like the the actual big name starters. He lined it up with the uh, the '94 starters rodrigo i'm looking at you and he says who is the better team and, and like everybody's like 94 with no question whatsoever and i'm like yeah that's right that's that's, that's pretty right. accurate yep i mean no yeah that's just got to be the best team yeah i don't i don't i don't i don't see who well that's how the old was ronaldinho at that at, 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 ronaldinho wasn't on the 94 team yeah i know but how old was he at that he must have been teenager yeah so that's <laughs> i mean and Ronaldo was on it, your your big Ronaldo, but he yeah. didn't play. No, of course, right? Yeah. Still got a ring, but you're, you're like, like you know that if you're if as a Brazilian, if you say Fat Ronaldo, yeah, unfortunately, Ronaldo. Yeah, yeah. That's what you're saying, it, and I'm not. Uh, I am. Any other any other internationals? I can move Who's on. Who's Peru doing? Peru plays Peru too, plays right? Peru Croatia tomorrow, Friday. Uh, Tomorrow's Croatia, Thursday, man. Uh, oh, I'm sorry, Friday. Yeah, <laughs> I'm, I'm already ahead. Playing Friday, uh, I believe in Miami, and then um, next week I think probably Tuesday or Wednesday they are in DC, and they play this other uh, team that I have no idea. They're doing all their friendlies here. That's yeah. interesting. Well, of course they would. That's why you were on uh, uh, well, MNUFC to, to get Amos yeah, was, out there to. <laughs> I, was, I was trying to convince right. uh, Manny and company that it would be the easiest scouting trip they would ever have, <laughs> just to travel to Miami. Nice. Right, and watch the Peruvian national team practice, right? From Parfan to a bunch of, you know, Polo or a bunch Not of Not Alexi Gomez, though. No, Ooh. no, I don't, I don't think Alexi Gomez made that trip. Alexi Gomez, uh, you yeah. and I have been, you've been messaging us uh, all, all week because uh, Minnesota United was linked to Alexi Gomez, Peruvian the only Peruvian you are not apparently excited to Peruvian be bad boy, uh, because he's kind of a he's kind of a bad boy, but he's like a winger, maybe fullback, but probably more of a yeah. He's left, a he's a he's left a left midfielder. winger, uh, plays more more in that wing position than than, than back. We need left wingers, so yeah. probably more of a guy that's gonna punch in the nuts. No, I think that's that might depending who's kicking the ball, that might be a Darwin. You know, depending, yeah, depending well, that, on, on the stories. So. That was a great segue. <laughs> like well, we'll, 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 yeah, yeah, and we'll also get to Darwin. But the bad this week is uh, is resident American nut puncher uh, Clint Dempsey, just teed it up. Who like just for for like the fiftieth time in his career this week, just hit a guy in the junk. Yeah. And um, and you know Jeb Jeb uh, Brovsky, uh, rest rest in peace, Jeb. Uh, he he tweeted out like you know raise your hands if you've ever been punched in the junk by by Clint Dempsey. Apparently Jeb has. Um, but against Dallas, he just, you know, in the box, just boom, just 
just bumping him in the nuts. Um, and and my, my thought on this is just like, this is at least, yeah, it's at least the, the 50th or, or third time <laughs> this has happened in, in his career. And, um, it, like, he's, he's not going out in style, Clint. Mm. He's, not, he's not aging well. But did you expect you know, just, Clint Dempsey to go out in style? No. <laughs> but, I mean, Good point. there was, like, like, when he came back, when he came back, uh, you know, post-Tottenham stuff, and when he came back to, to the U.S., he was, um, there was a lot of people who, like, were like, oh, yeah, you guys think Landon Donovan is good. The greatest of all time is Clint Dempsey. And I just feel like I just don't have those types of feelings about him anymore. He's a, He's been a great U.S. player, but he just, like, the kind of the shine has worn off a bit. I mean, he's, he's kind of a dipshit. He won an know. MLS Cup. Yeah, and he's great. He also is a great player. He's a great legend for the U.S., but just so in terms of... He's, a, he's equivalent to Luis Suarez then, kind of? You know, Luis Suarez bites people, yeah. but Dempsey just nut punches people? Yeah, I mean, we all need a Street Fighter move. Exactly. Right. And these guys got theirs. I don't know I don't know what mine is yet, but... I mean, at least he's got his hip-hop career to fall back yeah. on, right? <laughs> and his commercials are great, right? Yeah, right. yeah, yeah. So uh, on that hip-hop note, what we'll do is uh, let's take a break, go to big quarters, we'll come back, talk Minnesota United FC. Back on the 55-1 podcast, uh, <laughs> um, I, we've got uh, everyone back here. We were just like talking about who the hipster about the the alternative hipster World Cup team to to Iceland, trying to make that Peru. Uh, I don't think it's going to work. But who, uh, in fact, play against each other um, when yeah. when we were saying this week or next week? No, next week. Next week. Next week play, is the is the Iceland uh, Peru the the real hipster showdown. Um, nice. Monday. So, no, no, no. I think it's Tuesday. Tuesday. That's where a lot of people play Tuesday. Yep. Okay. This is this is the episode where uh, Rodrigo. Google's things. Uh, so we're, we're recording later in the week, so sorry everyone. Uh, I, I got like a one-day flu thing. I don't know what happened on Ugh, Monday, but man. I basically just couldn't move. Um, just the worst. So uh, we're all back. Everyone's everyone's doing okay? Everyone? Alex, you're alright? Yeah. Waffles are going okay? Alex, you're really going to have to fight for your time here, buddy. You no, got to gotta start throwing elbows to get that voice in. Just... Throwing some Clint Dempsey's in there. Just That's right, exactly. Verbal, yeah, yeah. verbal Dempsey's. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's start with Minnesota United FC. The news this week is that Darwin Quintero is likely to be finalized this week. That's what the, the news coming out of Mexico is. Um, Darwin Quintero, uh, a Colombian striker who's uh, naturalized in Mexico. His biggest run of form was with Santos Laguna when they won the CONCACAF Champions League. Uh, twice, I think, two years in a row, right? Um, and uh, and then he went to Club America in 2014. Has done okay, but um, lately has been kind of fizzling out. Yeah, he's 30, 31 or so. Um, I, I don't know how much you guys know. Anyone know, want to start off on Quintero and, and give your expertise? Rodrigo, maybe? I, I, I think he's he, he's serviceable I, I, from what, I, what I've seen. Um Serviceable DP. Yeah, <laughs> I, I think he, he. I think a lot of these like players that the the United are looking at. You know, they're looking for for either you know like that one the one gamble or someone will be able to 
to take him just over that edge, which is in this case, you know, qualify for the playoffs, right? Yeah, that's what they. That's what. That's what they're. It, it looks like their main goal is this season is to be able to do better than last year, which uh, um, eventually at one point I might have to check see how many points they scored last year total, and see what 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 the threshold for that will be. Uh, but I I I'm not extremely impressed. I mean, I prefer Darwin over Alexi any day. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think there's a potential of of, of uh, counterattack. I think he he does that. I, I, but there's also the whole the whole um, uh, maturity thing aspect of it too. Yeah, because he he was he recently was was, was famous for trying to uh, for trying to hit uh, a Mexican, reporter Mexican reporter while they were practicing. Right, yeah. spectacular. I mean, couldn't yeah. couldn't hit him from thirty yards out with him not moving yeah. target. Jamie know, Watson's gonna get yeah. knocked the f out. No, I, yeah. can't, I can't wait for that. If that's what it is, Jamie Watson's gonna be able to do something about that. Yeah, I'm, I'm. I'm. Well, I'm. I'm just wondering which. Yeah, I guess it probably would be would be Jamie at that uh, <laughs> that proximity. Um, you know, Darwin Quintero. I, I will. I just do want to say. Um, uh, he's been on the podcast before. A a, a friend of fifty five one, Adam Jarvie. Uh, two years ago, called this and has been talking about really? Darwin Quintero to Minnesota for two years. So interesting. Well, uh, I just I, respect. I need to at least give him. I tried to get him on tonight, but he has like life responsibilities. Uh, Alex, do you, do you have any uh, any thoughts about Quintero? I mean, what he can do for for the team? Are you excited about him? I feel like I don't quite know what to think because what we what we've heard about him seems to. I don't. I don't want to say people are don't know what they're talking about, but but it does seem like the analysis that we've heard of him is kind of lazy. Like it fits an archetype, right? Sort of gifted, uh, fast, tricky South American winger with an attitude problem. Like I feel like mm-hmm. there are so many players who get presented that way. You know, to to those of us who don't really know in the United States, and. I know I, the only times I've seen him play were a few years back in in uh, in Concacaf Champions, where he played for America. Uh, I think against Montreal. I think that was the the Montreal's winning year or Montreal's runner-up year. And I remember him being really scary and dynamic during that tournament. So, I mean that that the memory I have of him is really good, and he you know I, he, he's going to add. At the very minimum, depth, but but prop, almost certainly starting uh, firepower in the attack. I mean, I'm optimistic. Uh, he might come in and just set the locker room on fire, and everyone hates him. And you know, he beans <laughs> Jamie Watson with a ball, and all kinds of horrible <laughs> stuff could happen. But for all that I know, he's a talented player, and I will keep an open mind on the rest of this stuff. And we're just going to have to wait to see what he does. I think that um, you know if he's coming in as the the team's first DP, they are looking to him to be. I mean, he's not depth. He is going to start, and he's going to. They're you know he's going to be one of those Molino type players where it's hard to push him out of the team. And then the question is where they can slot him in. That's um, what I was actually, I was going to ask that. Yeah, where is he, where is he going to go? And, and that that's again where like I, I'm not. I just won't even bother speaking to it. I, I've I, I'm the same as you, Alex. I've seen him in two or three games in my life and uh you know those were several years ago so i, I don't yeah. I, i'm not gonna pretend but the 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 question is if he is considered someone something like a second striker 
right now we have two strikers who are very good with Danilati and Ramirez, and Toya is going to be coming along. But, um, you know, neither of them are, are built to kind of work with each other, the Ramirez and Danilati. I think that Ramirez and Danilati each could work with someone who is a bit better at dropping deep. That would allow Christian to do his uh, Fox in the Box stuff. Um, and it would allow Ramirez, uh, Danilati to uh, run off the back edges, but still keep keep someone there. Um, you know, so what, and whether or not that's, that's a number 10 or a second striker is kind of, uh, you know, kind of pointless to, to debate that, but almost certainly he'll, he'll be doing that. Uh, Alex, where are we on the, uh, number 10 assessment? <laughs> what does that mean? <laughs> <laughs> well, Do we know if that's, a, if that's a possibility? Yeah. Yeah. For Ke- Ke- I Dar- mean, I get the sense that if he comes in, he will yeah. automatically be, the most technically skilled player in our attack. And yep. I know that he has played centrally. I don't quite know where, but I'm assuming... Well, most recently, he's been kind of playing actually in a... Um, you know, in the, as the... In a three-man central midfielder, you know, as the advanced central yeah. midfielder, right? I think that that's so. where he would... I think that that's where there's the obvious gap for Minnesota. Mm-hmm. Um because we, we don't lack quality wing players. And if you're going to spend on a player like Quintero, who will be the most talented, you want to put them, you know, if, if, if they can play the position competently, you want to put them in the position where they're the most influential. So you and can so see a possibility. That, that would be that second. That would be, I think he will play the way that Heath wants Molino to play, basically. You could, okay, right on. That's what I was going to ask. And you could see maybe, a possibility maybe then a with him deeper, and Maybe a Ibarra little bit more then. as a true 10. Yeah, and let's you know let's move to the Chicago Fire sure. game because the number ten thing is is important here, right? Because right. the biggest change, uh, Minnesota United two, Chicago Fire one. The biggest change here is you've got Kevin Molino out. That's a big hit to the team. Who comes in? Miguel Ibarra. I don't know. Uh, you know, raise your hands if you thought Miguel Ibarra would be starting as a number ten. <laughs> I certainly did not. Um, I, w- I, w- I wanted him to. I didn't think Keith would do it. I yeah, gotta, I, I got to take my hat off to Heath for 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 that because I had a much lower expectation of what he would do. Bite into that English toffee, baby. Yeah, yeah. He so anyway. Um, the only real change here is uh, Miguel Ibarra in that position, and um, Minnesota comes out and the first half was was not um, stellar. I think Minnesota kind of edged it out in terms of uh, chances and whatever. You, you really saw in like the 22nd minute, there was a chance where um, it's a long ball. Finley makes a run. He goes around the keeper. The keeper's way out. He Sanchez heads it is out. Way out. And, yes. and I thought Sanchez actually did a pretty decent job for Chicago Fire, but he's way out of there. He heads it out. Finley gets to it. Can't really like take advantage of the keeper being out of the box. So he puts it, and Ibarra kind of fumbles with it. It lands to Ibsen, and Ibsen being Ibsen has, <laughs> Top has corner. a chance, and he just just <laughs> sends it over. Um, but it was kind of a – it was probably the only really great uh, moment of the, the first half. Yeah. Um, I thought Chicago the, had a couple – they didn't result in shots, but I, I thought Chicago were had a couple dangerous moments. There was – I think they might have both been Katai – the Chicago's one of their new attacking signings where he was, he was dribbling. Their best player by far. Yeah, he, where he would dribble into the box on the left side. And one time he got past Schiller 
And yes. then Boxall stepped in front of him and, and forced him to sort yeah. of take an extra couple touches. And the second mm-hmm. time, I think it was again Katai, where Mears made a very nice sliding tackle to deny him. Um, and, and I thought, I mean, I, if I were grading the first half, I would have had it 50-50. And so Detai, in that case, would go to the away team. I, I thought that Chicago played very well in the first half. And I was worried about what I saw from Minnesota in that half. Huh. I was I was like feeling I was feeling really good. I mean, double man bun or katai as <laughs> as normal people call him, uh, it looked like the only person I was afraid of. I, I thought um, Nikolic was invisible. Um, I just didn't didn't really see much. Um, was that the same moment the katai you're talking about when he ended up with a one on one with with Lampert or Lampson rather? Because uh, there, I, there I was like there was a moment where we got very nervous where he, I think it was Boxall, yeah. just got right by him yeah. and it was one-on-one and we were like, yikes. Yeah. But Lampson, Lampson made a great, I can't believe I said Lampard. That's hilarious. <laughs> what is I happening? Laugh. I went to laugh. Caipirinha tá funcionando, It's doing its thing. <laughs> uh, in the second half, it was very different. And I thought that that was when finally, the first half you started to... You were seeing Miguel get everywhere, and I know we talk about Miguel quite a bit on uh, on this podcast, um, for better or for worse. In this game, it's kind of impossible not to, because, um, uh, you know, Sheaf, you were absolutely right uh, last week or two weeks ago when you were talking about what Miguel does, and he, he kind of overloads in a way that other players on the team don't do. Um you know, he gets into, uh, uh, he, he'll drive into a side where there's already someone there and kind of just confuse the opposition. And in this game, he was all over pressing really high and doing a great defensive job. And then, you know, there were probably two or three times where he's running in further wide, you know, to the right of Finley. So Finley's coming in, it's confusing the opposition. And then Ibarra will come in as well. And Mears has space to come in. And that, that happened in like five minutes or something like that. Uh, yeah, in the 50th minute, I kind of tweeted a, a photo of this out earlier today. And Mears ran in and he tries to cross it and it didn't come to anything. But then just a few minutes later, then Nicholson, Ibarra, and Finley are all on the right flank. And that's when Finley crosses from the byline. It bounces and Chicago Fire, two of their players are, are closer than uh, Ibarra. And Ibarra is the only one who runs to the ball, and gets it. Turns on the Jets. And he cr- crosses it, and and that's when uh, Ibsen gets a, not just a shot, but a header. Right. And then it falls to him. And then, <clears throat> then the total the total asshole puts puts it the keeper's coming at him and he just outside of the boots it. Uh, of course. You know, just to the to the side. It was like, oh, just man, that dude. <laughs> Say it, Jiga. It's just just He's amazing. I think that's, <laughs> such a, that's not what he meant to say, but we'll take it. Son of a bitch. There we go. There it is. Yeah. <laughs> I think that first goal really shows what Miguel can like does in the weird way that he kind of played, not really as a central attacker, but it, like as a auxiliary winger. You know. So right. yeah. what happened? What one of the when when Kevin Molino played central, he would. St- generally stick to the central parts of the field and if he if he would leave that position it was almost always to go forward into the sort of front line where he would be alongside Christian or Dunlady or whoever yeah. 
And what that meant was that that space, the sort of zone 14 space right at top of the box, was vacant. And nobody would come in and fill that space because it was expected that Molino would eventually come back and reclaim that space by checking back. Because Miguel played so freely and because he would move side to side, that would leave that would allow two things. First of all, if the Loons lose the ball, Miguel is already on the scene and they can very quickly press to win it back. So there's an inherent defensive advantage when you have your number 10 basically shadowing the ball like Miguel did. The second thing is because he didn't push forward to, to meet Ramirez, you didn't have like too many people in the center. And that allowed Ibsen to get forward. And that's why you have Ibsen on that first goal being ahead of Ramirez. I mean, Ramirez kind of dawdles at the top of the box, and Ibsen runs straight past him to act as the number nine. It was the weirdest thing. But Ibsen had that license to go forward into that space because Ibarra was not only providing an an extra defensive body in the area where the ball was, and, and so Ibsen didn't have quite the same defensive responsibility, but also because... Miguel wasn't in already in that central position. There were there there was only one person at, in the central attacking position, and so Ibsen could go and make that second run into the box because Miguel wasn't there. So eventually, teams are going to figure this out. It could happen this week because the Red Bulls are very smart and very tactically I, aware. But I feel like what you're saying, Chicago, Alex, it destroyed them. Oh, go ahead. I feel like what you're saying goes directly to the graph that you tweeted out, which is pretty spectacular, where you show the normal line that a number 10 (laughs) runs compared to what Ibarra does, which is just like a whole sea of blue basically covering the entire pitch. Yeah. (laughs) Well, one of the things about Miguel is that, you know, Miguel is not a clever passer, right? I mean, uh, his game is pretty simple, and and that's not a disparaging thing. Like... his passes are simple. He'll check back to a guy behind him. He'll, you know, he'll pick and, and choose his, his passes, but he will not like, um, especially in that Orlando game, the the when Molina was in there, the passes he made two or three like great diagonal passes that that just cut through the defense and let someone in. Right? Miguel doesn't that's pass not, through the lines. No, no, and that's not what he does. And so the, the thing about Miguel is. Uh, you know, and you can see kind of why Heath didn't want to prefer him because, you know, you've got Nicholson who brings like this kind of guile on the ball. He'll try to nutmeg 13 people in a row, <laughs> you know, just, you know, and then uh, and they, Finley and cut right. And yeah, yeah, shoot. yeah, exactly. And exactly. Yeah. And, and, you know, and, but Miguel is like simpler and, and this team does need creativity. Right. And that's why Molino was really central. So, if Quintero, Quintero comes in and displaces Miguel from this position, you, I still think you want Miguel doing. This is what like we've been preaching. This is what he does. He yeah. like, it's a really simple game, but it allows you. He makes up space for other people right. who, like Molino, who right. you know by by nature are not pressing as well. You know, Christian is not great at pressing. Miguel was pressing way more than Christian was in this game. So I, I, I mean, I loved it. I, I think we should move on from Ibarra. Um, Ibarra time. Um, because <laughs> because there were several people in this match who were fantastic, and I think the you know two of them are like um, 
you know, Wes, Wes uh, Mea Copa uh, players. Boxall, I thought, had a really I, great game. I agree. We talked about this, actually, at the match. Yeah, yeah. I was very, re- very reluctant to admit how well he was playing, but he was I very... He was solid, yeah, man. I'm sorry, but... Even that the the goal against, I mean, it was you can't even say it was a hundred percent his fault. Ibsen was totally up in his grill, and he probably should have just leveled him and yeah, he should have <laughs> take, taken, him taken out. the ball. Yep. Exactly, exactly. That was two players getting in Ibsen's way. That was first Schuler <laughs> and then Boxall. Right, just, just get out of the way. Let Ibsen, uh, let Ibsen like uh, back heel uh, out of the out of the box. Bicycle kick out of the box. Yeah, um, but honestly, with with the exception of that one play, he was just a wall. I mean, he had a mm-hmm. very very tight, precise. I mean, the dispossessions that we saw too. Yeah. He was he was tight. He played really well. I'm sorry, <laughs> man. I know you, you. Rodrigo's looking at me like he doesn't believe it. It's true. No, he did play well, and it was interesting. He he is. Against Orlando, right? He had a very easy game because Pino went out, and then it was a bunch of munchkins, basically, you know, nipping at his feet. And Orlando insisted on pumping crosses in. And Boxhall is not the best on crosses, but, I mean, he had no problem winning it against those guys. Mm-hmm. I think that Chicago kept trying to play on the ground. And Boxhall was very aware. There were at least three times in the game when he, while tracking a runner and while sort of running back towards his own goal, was alert enough to also see a pass and mm-hmm. step in front of it. You know, right. like leave his runner and just step in front of the pass and cut out the entire play. It was very impressive. Now, later in the game, when Chicago got desperate, they started pumping in crosses, and then it got things got a little hairy. And I would have liked to see Coleman subbed in earlier because he's right, the best right. defender we have in the air. But um, I thought that, any of, any I thought that it was really good was, by Boxall. It was sorry. a good game. That's all of, I meant to say. Alan Gordon came in in the 80th minute or something. Did any of you like, like my like literally my my just my butt cheek clenched. <laughs> I was so afraid. I like I saw my I saw the future. I was like clairvoyant. Alan Gordon is going to score in the third minute of stoppage time. He's going to come and drink this beer in my hand. He's going to jump up, just take it from my hand and chug it. And I'll be like, and then you know punch what? in the nuts. No, no, I'll be like, you know what? It's yours. <laughs> I just, I saw that. I saw the future, and like somehow we went to the other timeline where he didn't score. But, um, thank you, Neil deGrasse Tyson. I, I don't know. I, the other, I want to also talk about Sam Nicholson. I know that there's probably some taunting tweets that we have to read here. Um, to me, uh, I think uh, Colin Solberg, uh, who runs the Sam Nicholson fan club, he tweeted me, what is Sam Nicholson fan at Sam Nicholson fan doing? In This is a real question, actually. What is Sam Nicholson doing in 2018 versus 2017 to be more effective? When when Nicholson scored the second goal, uh, and, and let me actually set this up. Work of art. Uh, this was 66th minute. Ibarra gets the ball collects it, turns, sends it to Finley. Finley crosses to Nicholson. Nicholson is way too open for that header and just easily puts it away. Colin Solberg ran over to me and just like 
I think he did. Maybe I dreamed this. No, no, I, just, I was there. Okay, and, and he was just like Sam Nicholson. Yeah, everyone, like everyone in the in the dark section, like turns to me and like points. <laughs> like, Shame. I I just I do want to I I love that this is a, a joke that I hate Sam Nicholson, but I do want to point out that as much as I said, what is Sam Nicholson useful for? My only problem with Sam Nicholson was that he was not good enough to be starting, and. I'm very glad that he is good enough to be starting now. Because he was fantastic these last two games. That goal was just spectacular. I mean, it happened so fast. It was so precise. And it was just beautiful. I mean, it was a, it was a world-class goal. It was awesome. It was, um, it was, it was very well set up. I thought that... Uh, I, I think just... I think year one, year two, everybody getting used to the system, getting used to what... Inchy wants them to do or what they expect them to be able to be. And I think towards the end of last season, we said what Sam's possibilities were, right? Like, he, he's the one that is willing to to be the train, you know, and just ram over people and then cut right and take a shot. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He's got to he's he's the most... 18, cut right and take a or, shot. Or now it's wait for the cross. Right, or now wait for <laughs> yeah. the cross, right? So now... Now, it, 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 and now we have, you know, half a year of Finley and... Yeah. And um, people are, are beginning to understand that the, it's not, it's not, um, it's not as crazy as it used to be. Like, or people yeah. will be there. People will trust each other. I right. mean, Ibarra's support. I think Ibarra's main 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 role in when he's out in the field, and when I think someone tweeted out, "What is what is Ibarra's best position?" I say on the field. That's his yeah. best position because <laughs> uh, he's everywhere, <laughs> and he provides that support. That support, you know, and and whether that means support back, support forward. That that that's something that needs to that, that needs to be that needs to be constant, and I think when that happens, you have the Finleys, you have the Sam Nicholsons, and the Ibsons. They have the liberty to be like, oh, cool. I don't know if there's gonna be much Ibsen anymore, but the, uh, the other well, two probably. <laughs> I mean, if, if maybe. Was taken in what three years to score? Two years and a half. Two years. Like yeah, we've, only, nar- only we've two. narrowed it down from so, four to two. Uh, but so. The two two things I want to say it's it's not just like um uh, getting used to Heath it's like it, every foreign player takes mm-hmm. a long time to, yep, to, yep, to you I have agree. to give him a half year Quintero's going to be the same way sure that's why it's good bring him in now he'll be ready for 2019 right I mean <laughs> yeah. that that's that's really important but then also um you know I, I thinking about uh, Ibarra's position uh you know. Um, Bruce McGuire uh, on Twitter had, had tweeted this this week and, mm-hmm. and said, um, you know, he's not a winger. He what his best position was as a number ten. And I was like, I had this like weird like uh, um, sixth sense moment where I you know just like wait going back and, and forgetting that Klinsman. I had like Klimsnesia, mm-hmm. you know, where Klinsman turned him into a winger, and then Manny felt like he had to be a winger, and so like uh, I had amnesia that like. The best run of Miguel's form was Jamie Watson on the left, Daniel Mendez on the right, Christian in front of him, right? And uh, what? It was probably Giuliano and uh, Greg Jordan behind him or something. That was, like, the best run. And that's because he, like, kind of was constrained. At first, when he was the the man, he kind of just ran everywhere. And then, like, he was a bit more constrained, and he had these kind of uh, exactly, you know, not too dissimilar to what we have now. Uh, Daniel Mendez was not fast, but he was another person who was good at scoring in the box or getting in the box. And then uh, Jamie Watson 
is a fast guy who kind of would uh, move along the wing and mm-hmm. and crosswell. Yeah, and and that that kind of stuff that's perfect for Miguel. We just we haven't seen it in ages, mm-hmm. and finally he gets put back there. And oh yeah, lo and behold, once the like Klinsman, uh, uh, uh like what do you call it, Klinsnesia? Klinsnesia. Oh. Yeah, I've 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 actually get, get your shots, over. ladies yeah. and gentlemen. Uh, Immunizations. You know, once, once that's once that like is is gone, you re knock your head right in the stupid eighties <laughs> sitcom. You knock your head again, and Klinsnesia is gone. Then it's like, oh yeah, Miguel can be a number ten. It just it's just not in the 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 way we imagine it. Right, not the it's way not it's going up to be. Yeah, yeah, it's not a Diego Valeri number no, ten. It's no, just it's, it's very different. So we're back to Miguel. I'm sorry, I, Me- I brought us back. It it was gonna happen. Miguel played as a uh, Manny was the first person to put him on the left. I can I guarantee you that Manny was the first person to put him on the left. Because the way that the way that I'm, I'm looked, I had to look this up. But the way that we played in 2014, <laughs> the, the year that we lost to Fort Lauderdale in that uh, horrible penalty shootout, was we played a four three three, and we had Jordan, Giuliano, and Pitch in the in the center of midfield, and then Ibarra was on the left, Mendez was on the right. Mm. That was before uh, his call up. So so Manny put him out there initially to to play that four three three, but. Klinsman, obviously, once, I mean, I think part of it is that we're influenced, right? like Miguel came to the sort of national consciousness when he got called in, and everyone was like, oh, you know, fast guy, plays on the wing, and and, and he got typecast. It's still to this day where you hear people talking about Miguel Abar as if he's a guy who dribbles past people, which is not true. He doesn't. And he's never, and, and also, he's never been a fast guy. No, he's, he's a hard a, worker. He's an engine. That, yeah. That's like that's in in and Manny has always said that he is, right. his engine is. It's like um, it's, I've always said he's like Bedoya, right? Like he he kind of uh, he does it. He plays on the wing. He comes central, but he he's a he's a guy who fills space and connects things. You know, Bedoya is not yeah. a, a killer. He's not a speed guy. He's not a finisher. But he's he's a really good important cog. And and that's that's what, I mean, Apar has never been fast. I think speaking of the connection, oh, Miguel go ahead. in that in that infamous uh, Dunord football show podcast, infamous. where Bruce said that mm-hmm. Miguel was running around, uh, but not shiving anybody. Um, <laughs> oh yeah, the one that set him off. Huh? Yeah, the yeah, one yeah. that t- totally transformed that his career. His career. I mean, yeah. Miguel had been playing as that number ten at that point as well. Um, yes. So I don't think that I think that it's a little bit too easy to say that like, you know, he was always good as number ten, and then we just like, you know, we we all forgot it for some reason. Don't but, ruin this for me, man. Sorry, Clemsnesia <laughs> <laughs> is really good. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're right. You're, you're right, right. You're right. I, I but I, I I I do agree with the fact that where is his best position? It's on the field. Uh, you know, I think that he's so. I think that he's he he's sort of an intangible player. He's a, he's like a right. glue player. He really helps create things. And I am not, I'm a little bit more sort of calm about Adrian Heath and Andy Barra right now. Because A, uh, like I think that Heath has sort of recognized his value. Um, I think that if Quintero comes in and takes his minutes, then Ibarra moves to become this like really, really deadly impact sub, which is how he played in Orlando and San Jose. And that's not a bad thing. 
So I'm generally fine with that. I have one more thing to add, and it's back on Sam Nicholson. Wes, I don't know if you if you listen regularly to the uh, Extra Time Radio, but they they called you out after the Orlando game. Uh, <laughs> Matt, Matt Doyle said you were blowing up his DMs talking about Sam Nicholson and how oh, good he was this. after that game. Yeah, you should go oh, back and listen to it. <laughs> oh, that's great. You're, you're gonna yeah. have to get your tombstone set okay, up. I think well, it's gonna what be did, on wait, there. Wait, what did now? Tell me what we said because I all I. Wait, no, I, they, I'm going to go back to Everyone just agreed and said that, uh, that, that he'd been playing well, but uh, you, you got called out specifically as someone who was, who was uh, jumping on the hype train. Well, one thing I want to mention while he's looking this up, um, talking about connections, man, this, this team is having fun, which means that we in the stands are having a lot of fun. I mean, and granted, disclaimer, yeah, it's early, but there were two specific moments that I remember, and... One was with uh, with Miguel and Finley, and one was with Miguel and Nicholson, of course. And they're looking at each other, and they're kind of smiling, and you know, they're you know, they're kind of like, "Hey, what you got? You gonna do this? Yeah, I'm gonna do this." Yeah. And then with the other guy, "Yeah, I see what you got. What are you gonna do? Bring?" I mean, man, they're having fun. It's I think I tweeted something out like they're playing like a park rec league, and it and it feels that way. But it it just makes such a difference when they're having a ball. They don't give a fuck. They're just playing. They're just, you know, they're having fun. They're taking risks, and, and that makes it so much fun for us. That's what I want to say. Yeah, amen. We did. I, I think also, too, it, it, it points out that uh, we didn't get to see a lot of Schuler of last season. You know, he would just, like, was, like, three games and done, and that was it. And, I, you know, I I, I wanted to see more of, of, of what the interest was. and And he... He seems to be that type of player that you know, uh, you know, check back, get the ball, make, make. I want to say I don't know, 70 of his passes on on point, and mm-hmm. then you have the, the error, or or the ball that doesn't go the right way. But he's that controlling. You know, you don't ever really see him going forward as much as you see him just staying central. He had a good game. Back, and I think the the more of those players that we have, frees up the Ibsens and the, and the people with the creativity that we have, yeah, the families yeah. to be able to go ahead and just, you know, like, you know what, you guys just go play, right? You go right. do your thing. Do, do your rec we, league. We, we have, we have, we have our right, we have our right covered, you know, there's someone over mm-hmm. back there, you know, you, we have, we, we know, we know, we know, Miga can come back and cover that side. That's what it would be. Cause, cause not a lot of times, you know, uh, last year, last year, a lot of times that would work for, for Ibarra was, was when Jerry would come down the wing and they would play the. I mean, they would play that overlap, or they would play that give and go between those two, and he'd make that 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 quick run into the box and try to cross it. Yeah. You know what? This time, you, go ahead. No, you keep talking. Sorry. No, I was just saying that that that's just, that's just something that, that that happened a lot last year that was successful, and I think this year is more, uh, more that Ibarra gets to play more more of the back, and now he's now he's sending those crosses. So what I want um, to say about Schiller is that. One thing he's really good at is making tackles on players who are in front of him. And one thing he's really bad at is making tackles on players who are running behind him. Right, that's yeah. true. In the oh, game man. against Chicago, like every time the ball was in front of him and the attacker was coming towards him or whatever, he would win the tackle. And I swear to God, this entire season he has not made a single tackle successfully from behind. And and mm. what's crazy is he hasn't even like brought the man down. He's like whiffed. 
Like he, <laughs> just airball. I can out. think of at least yeah. two occasions on which he has like tried to commit a tactical foul on a counterattack yes. and not yep. even succeeded in bringing down the man. Very funny. Yeah. I hope he gets better think, at that because eventually I, it's going to burn us. Yeah, I think fifty-five-one should have a tally of how many whiffs per game he's had and just yeah. keep it on going. We'll send him later. He played at the stadium at one point, you know, like yeah. at number fifty. No, but I agree. He's one of those players that has to have the the game in front of him. Yeah. To be able to be successful, and and and, and when it, and that comes down to coaching of like where do you place this player in order to have the game in mm-hmm. front of him, and I think where he's being placed right now is working for him right now. Yeah. But when he gets beat with someone who's fast or someone who when they play that quick one two, that's where he can become dangerous. Where he just <laughs> totally whips, or he doesn't whiff and hits somebody outside of the box, or. Or pulls a Finley and hits them inside the box somehow, miraculously, you know, miraculously, <laughs> and then all of a sudden it becomes a whole different game. So. I got a question for you guys. I've I've never seen the Finnish national team play. Does does he play same position for for Finland? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I don't. I. I. I in in terms of whether he's tasked with more of a creative role, I. I, I don't know. Okay. I don't. I don't think he should be tasked with a creative no. role. I don't. And yeah, he he has been good. You know, someone I think someone put on uh, on Reddit uh, this week that he you know he's top ten in both uh, interceptions and tackles in the league right now. And obviously, it's after also, three games. Right. He's also played every minute in three games, right. and not every right. other central midfielder has. Yes. Right. But uh, I think so far, I'm cautiously optimistic that that. He's growing into what I'm not sure he'll ever. He, maybe he won't live up to like that those last year dreams that we thought Rasmus Schuler, this fancy Finn, would come in <laughs> and destroy the midfields. But uh, he's been all right. I think that he certainly probably is um, still one of the weaker links out there right now. But we still um, need a number six. Yes, yes, we agree. Uh, let let's just um, move Maximino. to um, yeah. <laughs> let, let's just move to uh, yeah. We've got um, Luis Fernando uh, Maximiniano, um, who, who's in with the team now. Uh, he he's still. I think he's got a little bit of a knock or something like that. I'm not sure mm. if he's going to be ready for this weekend. But this weekend in uh, um, New York, New York Red Bulls uh, or Red Bull uh, Rasen Ball Sports uh, New York, as as you like to call them, Alex. Um, uh, Minnesota's going to be missing Calvo, Boxall, Schuler. Uh, Red Bulls are going to be missing Tyler Adams, Kamar Lawrence, Fidel Escobar, and then Michael Murillo, but Murillo hasn't played yet this season. Um, uh, what, Alex, you are going to be there, right? Unless you're... I am going to be there, yep. Eight, eight uh, feet of snow or something? No, um, I'm, I'm there. And uh, you're going to see Kevin Friedland, as far as I know, right? Hopefully, yeah. I know he's okay. going to be there, so... <laughs> okay. Um, you should you should try to sit in his fancy fancy uh, corporate seats is what you should try to do. Um, so uh, what what you know you you also know Red Bulls pretty well. You wrote about them for fifty five one this week. Um, what what is this game going to look like? And and tell me it's don't use the words bloodbath um, because I have the words bloodbath in my head. <laughs> well, I'd like to think that a Minnesota are better than that this year. I mean, last year when the Red Bulls came to Minnesota, I think that was the most dominating. Uh, even Almost even considering the Demidov games, I thought that the Red Bulls winning 3-0 at TCF Bank Stadium last year was the most was the worst game that Minnesota played last year and the most the most dominant dominated they ever were. 
because the Red Bulls came in and they they were so beautiful and Minnesota was so ugly. And I mean, I, that was just it was no contest. I think that this game will be closer. I think Minnesota's playing well. I think that Red Bull not only are they having to do the CCL, so they're they're rotating a lot of players, um, right. and they have some 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 serious names out. Lawrence is an important player for them. Uh, Tyler Adams, obviously, an important player for them. I think that they're still the favorites, and I I expect the Loons to lose. Um, but I think it'll be close. I think that both teams might be a little iffy in de- defense in this game. So I'm hoping for something like a 3-2. But, I mean, the Red Bulls are, you know, they're not Toronto FC. They're not the best team in the league. But as far as I'm concerned, they are the class of the league from a sporting perspective. Because the way that they have structured their entire system from their academy to their PDL team to their USL team, to the first team, is something that no other club in the league is doing. And they have multiple, I mean, at least a third of their roster right now is players who came up either through the academy or young players who were cut elsewhere, who didn't make it elsewhere, who the Red Bulls brought into their USL team and groomed into first team players. The whole, all those teams play the same style of soccer with the same sort of principles. It's, in a, it's, a, it's a very attractive form of soccer. It's a very fast form of soccer. They press in a way that Minnesota has not faced at all this year. None of the three teams that we've played this year will press or have pressed like the Red Bulls will press. Um, I think it'll be a real challenge for Minnesota. I think that the, fir- the first 30 minutes especially will be really tough. Um, if they can figure out a way to play against that press, if they cannot concede early and that you know will we'll almost cert- it will, will be in a totally new defensive look if they can find their feet in the game then I think that it'll be a really good contest um, but I, I am worried about the start and I'm just generally worried because I, the Red Bulls are very very good if, if the Loons can get a draw I'll be very happy with that result yeah it'll be tough draw, if, draw, if Mears draw, can't draw. play and he's he's struggling with an injury then you've got you know, I, I want to see Carter Manley play this season. I want to see Wyatt Olmsberg play this season. Uh, but you've got two guys getting their first professional matches in on that defense. That uh, you know, and, and it, it's going to be tough. A- anyone in this room or on the phone going to you, Alex? You said it's going to be a loss. Anyone willing to predict uh, anything other than a loss? Because I'm, I think we'd we'd be good. To, it'd be a great result to get out of there with a draw. That's what I'm hoping for, but I don't know what's going to happen. This will be the real, like, Red Bulls are, are losing, you know, they're losing players to international duty. But this, when you think about the two games we've won, we beat a Chicago team without their aging European superstar and an Orlando team without all of their Not good their players. Yeah. Um, right. So this is, this is the test. San Jose is a good team, but the Red Bulls are one of the best teams in the league. And they are, I think, the deepest team in the league. And... Yeah. It will be a real, real test uh, if we can do well against them. Yeah, I mean, their B, their B team smoked Portland, so, I mean, yeah. there's that. Yeah. <laughs> well, let's, let's take a break. We'll come back. We've got lots of Twitter questions.
on the 55-1 podcast for the final time tonight, at least. Uh, we've got uh, Rodrigo Sanchez Chavarria. Oh, nailed it. I didn't it. even have to ask him. Nailed I just, it. I just got like the beginning of the show. I just get nervous that I'm going to say something wrong, and then I do say something wrong. We've got Eric Silva Brenneman. We've got uh, Alex Van Persie uh, on the on the phone. <laughs> I am Wesley Holmes. Niederlander. Uh, and, and I'm here to lead us through these Twitter questions. We've got a lot here, and then Rodrigo, you got like hit up by like thirty Mr. Popular fellow fellow, fellow Blackhawks coaches. Uh, He's in full gear, in fact, right now. How, head did, to toe. how did this last weekend go with the the Blackhawks? Uh, the, you were coaching this weekend. Did it go all right? No, it was it was a fun tournament. It was the uh, Blackhawks uh, uh, annual f- um, futsal tournament. So it was uh, held at Holy Angels, uh, and so it was it was it was fun to be able to see um, just. The development of the kids throughout the game. And it's always, when you come to tournaments, you know, it's, it's, it's competition, you know, it's all about competition, but trying to look for the, the development aspect of it. Um, I coach also this weekend, the Saturday, we have the, sec- the second half of the, uh, the tournament, so that's where my uh, 11 year old is going to be playing in, where we're going to be coaching most of Saturday. But, um, you know, I'm really excited. I mean, um, Holy Angels, I think they're, they're building a, uh, a facility for for futsal, so that should be. So was Giselle playing? No, no, that was my oldest. Giselle's playing okay. this Saturday. Okay, because last season, <laughs> that's right. Giselle scored. <laughs> Christian scored. Christian hasn't scored yet. That's because Giselle's not playing. She <laughs> not needs playing to outdoors. Be... Not playing outdoors. Let's yes, get it going. Needs to be scoring goals. Okay. And get get Christian back. Okay. All right, we'll, we'll be putting that out there. I'm pretty sure. sure um, I'm sure his auntie will, will retweet it and, and push that way too. Christian's aunt. No, it's been a good run. It should be interesting. Uh, it should be a fun, competitive uh, weekend of football. So, uh, let's, let's hit these questions. Pioneers, uh, supporters group, which, oh, by the way, Caleb Olson, uh, 55-1, has been doing like a, a – a like Q and A like feature of of every supporters group. Uh, and it, there's like eight million right um, for for the loons and uh, pioneers were I think one of the first ones that he that he featured. Go go check that series out. There's just a ton of them. Um, anyway, they say which loon who played versus Chicago had the has the most untapped potential. What did they need to reach it? Uh, will they still play in Minnesota when and if they do? Uh, uh, and then on the roster, who do you think could eat the most ravioli? <laughs> I don't even know where that comes from, but I think it's probably Boxall. That guy's <laughs> yeah, that guy's big. He's a big man. He's got a he's got a lot of room to fill. He's a big man. But I, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't put I wouldn't put it past Woodbury though. I think Woodbury could probably scum mm. down too. I think between between those is that what you're is that what, is that what you're calling Casino Coleman? <laughs> uh, let's go with the the, the loon with the most untapped potential. Mason mm. Toy, obviously, right? I mean, yeah. he's the yeah, youngest, and he's barely tapped anything. So, yeah, and and so will he? Will is that is that something that you think is in the near term? He can grow in Minnesota, and that's where he'll reach it. Or no, but I mean, his ceiling is probably much higher than Minnesota. You hope, right? I don't know. We yeah, hope. that's true. I mean, we're, we're hoping that he takes a different approach, not the Don Lottie approach, but you know. Eight games in, and then finally start putting him in. So yeah, well, we're seeing that he's playing. That's what I was gonna say. He's already got he's here, he's a here lot of minutes. Jump that, so we'll see how much more. Well, he, he, he just has take. to stay fitter than Dunlady can. But. Yeah. yeah. William Cook asks. Uh, oh, 
Well, he asked about Ibarra's best position. So we we thanks William Cook, but he on also the field, says, Total he also says he brings this up, which, which we didn't even talk about. How great was it to sing Wonderwall at the home opener? Which he says is not really a question because it's obviously great. But we didn't talk yeah. about the, the game. The the day was amazing. It, it was, was like beautiful, sunny. Uh, like I was just wearing like a t shirt and a scarf, and it was just like. So great to watch. <laughs> you give me again. shit for wearing my coat. Yeah, you were. Yeah. <laughs> Eric is next to me in a shirt, a sweater, and a coat, and his hat. And I'm just like, oh my god! I'm wearing a bikini, and just like, just oiled up. Like, oh my goodness. Yeah. So there we go, listeners. Now that you've driven off the road, uh, Temple of Loon says, "Is Boxall likely to be the first Loon nut punched by Dempsey?" Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I gave that an 85% chance of happening. Yeah. yeah. Um, I don't know, Toya. Because he's, but I mean, Dem- he's tall. You know, the, yeah, the, the likelihood of, of Mason Toya being like marked by Dempsey's low, but his attitude, like, you know, he might try to shush Dempsey or something like that. <laughs> I love this question so much. But what about I, Ibsen? You know, he. Ibsen will fall before that. Ibsen, yeah. <laughs> I, don't think, I don't think Ibsen marks on. Uh, on corner kicks. Yeah, so. I, I think we established that last season that marking is not the thing Ibsen's always well, you know, besides he'd, falling. He'd, ba- he'd back heel the punch and like reverse <laughs> it into the other guy's nuts or something like that. Outside of the, soccer, outside okay. the foot. Yeah. <laughs> Garth Grauberg says best home ti- home match kickoff time 1, 5, or 7. Alright, let's, let's go around and go ahead. Go. This Bless last you go weekend first. Was, was 1. I hate afternoon kickoffs, but when it's this cold, early in the season, 1 o'clock was fantastic. So, but at seven o'clock. I want to. I want to drink and then like have it be the end of my night, so I can All right, Eric? stumble. Yeah, home. it's family time for family time. Seven o'clock's easier. Okay, Alex. Yeah, it's seven o'clock. I mean, I remember as a kid in rec league, you always wanted to play under the lights. Like those were the fun games. Seven yeah. o'clock. Seven o'clock it is because I couldn't make the game at the yep. opener because I was at, I was coaching at seven o'clock. It would have been my preferred time. Uh, Carl Bates says. Uh, since the team is forced to make three changes on the back line, do you think the club should roll out an entire second unit back line? This is a hockey fan, isn't it? <clears throat> uh, Shuttleworth, Manley, Coleman, Olmsberg, Birch. Given that they've had extended reps together training as a unit, it's an interesting idea. I, I think in the end, you want your best. You want your your best players out there. Right. Um, you know, it, it, assuming you've got. Tison Mears and you've not it's not manly right you've got Coleman uh, you're only you're only putting out the only new new guy out there is Olmsberg you think Olmsberg Olmsberg I'm sorry gets the start who else unless I mean Owundi is there right I mean but he's only been with the team for yeah and and I I I, unless like he came in and like blew everyone away right right? um you said you're, damage, if so. if you don't if you don't pick Omsberg, you're also kind of sending a message that I don't think is that great. Like hmm. he's been there the whole preseason; he's worked hard. Everyone also has said, at least people who've seen him, have said that he's been impressive. I thought he was good against if, Charleston. If if Omsberg doesn't play, Bobby Warshaw will shoot someone. Probably <laughs> actually probably Adrian Heath. He will go nuts. He loves Bo- uh, Wyatt Omsberg. I get like daily uh, messages. Oh, how's Wyatt? Talk to him. <laughs> they're, they're blowing up your DM on Twitter. Yeah, is that what they're doing? How tall is that dude? Isn't he like he's six over six four, for I sure? Think. That's yeah, what I thought. Boxo's what six six six. No, no, six, no. 
Yeah. Okay, so there's even taller than Bucks. They, yeah, right? I, I think Meg I Ryan, Meg Ryan wrote about Owundi as being this giant, and he's 6'2", and I'm, I'm just like... He's just very... Just he's 6'2", six, six like, 190, and that's my height 10 pounds heavier. And I know, like, it's probably more than 10 pounds more muscle, but I was like, am I am I that It must be big? all in the head. Am it I that intimidating to people? I don't know. Alex, anyway. Alex is huge. Alex, yeah. Alex is intimidating. As an actual giant, I, I, I take offense to that. Um, <laughs> I, I thought Carl's question was interesting. I think the answer is no, but I thought it was kind of a neat idea. I don't think mm-hmm. I think Lampson will start. That's for sure. I, I but agree. the whole the whole sort of back four that that's kind of an interesting concept. And I do think it it maybe does help a bit that you know Coleman and Olmsberg have probably been playing a lot together as the second yeah. as the second team, right? So. What did you guys think of Birch? I mean, Birch got in there and had what twenty minutes. <laughs> He is fine. He was. I totally forgot. Yeah, <laughs> non-existent, right? Non-existent. That's he came on for Mares. Yeah. No, well, I, now I remember because someone asked me about his man bun. That's all I remember. <laughs> I always yeah. worry about Birch because I don't, because th- he plays so passively. He mm. he always looks to contain, and he's smart. I mean, he tries to force you into, you know, wherever you're weakest. But but I just I I do kind of feel like he gives people too much space. And I would, okay. I would like someone who gets a little closer to people, but. And against the Red Bulls, you don't, you don't right. want to give them space. For sure. Yeah. Well, yeah. Uh, yeah. The Red Bulls yeah. aren't really a crossing team. They want to. Their wingers want to cut in at some point and right. and make sort of inside runs. I don't. I, I guess I would be a little worried about Birch with that, but I'm also worried about Tison with that because. Mm-hmm. Right. Marking runners at the back post has never been a strong suit of Minnesota United's fullbacks. A um, couple more questions here. Uh, all your winger are belong to us. Uh, ask, how does Minnesota United get Ramirez, Dunlady, and Toya all the minutes they deserve? Just strategically injure one of them, right? <laughs> right. <perfect. laughs> I mean, to- Toya, like, it's his first year. He doesn't need to get a ton of minutes, right? It's great that he's getting 20 minutes at a time, gets mm-hmm. in there. Uh, you know, he can be kind of eased into it. But Denladi and Ramirez, if you're playing one striker there, that is that is tough. Like, you do, if if Denladi is a striker you do believe has this great European potential, it's tough to do that. But it's also tough to bench a guy who, what's Ramirez making now? I mean, he, he got a bonus from his, or a, a pay increase from scoring all those goals. So he's making... A lot of money, and same thing if they were like, "Oh, well, let's just replace Ramirez with Quintero." Like, it's, you can't really let that guy no. ride the bench on that kind of money. So Chris, they're in a tough spot with Denladi and Ramirez. Christian hasn't place. scored this year, but he's played really well. Yeah. Aside from that, I mean, his hold-up play seems really improved. Yeah. He, his, he was the like the originator of that sequence that ended in the second goal with a nice one-touch pass. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the goals will come, too, because I think that he's had two pretty good shouts for a penalty. One wasn't called, and one was irrelevant because Molino scored. But I think that he's playing really well, and I think he would be hard to bench even if uh, even if everyone was healthy. And all of a sudden, guess what? He can take the PKs. Yeah. yeah. At the same time, too, so, I think he's... He's he's just taking he's just taking a lot of beatings up there, and then he's taking the whole full brunt force of a, of the defenders, which is what you want as someone who's built like Ramirez to be able to take the take take the attention away and be able to either serve left, serve right, serve back, and then 
hopefully try to get the ball back. So oh, I, I'm, I'm, I'm happy with what he's been doing. That flick last week against yeah. Orlando was just oh and, so pretty. And once Superman and Batman like can do their like triple back heel pass to each other, where they <laughs> back heel and then they run past each other and back heel again, and and it's like Jesus Christ, dude, it's just someone shoot. Uh, that then that'll that will come. Um, it won't happen against Red Bulls. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Although, the the one thing is that Aurelian Collin could get a red card and then we could be okay. That's like the one scenario where then we're only playing against 10 and then we can get a draw because we're just playing against 10. No, let's both. hope for that. I would uh, assume Collin won't start, but if he does, that's good for I, us. I pray he does. <laughs> uh, um, if he doesn't like actually murder Christian or something. But um, <laughs> final question. Eric Nelson asks this. Uh, this. This is coming for... Um, uh, I'll, I'll send it to you, Eric. Uh, on a scale of one to Dom Dwyer, how much would you hate Ibsen if he played for another team in MLS? <laughs> you, want, you want to take that? I, I honestly don't think it's going to happen just because I think I think this is it for our... our Brasileiro. But let's say he let's say he he's he's playing for Red Bulls this weekend, and and he does Ib, Ib, Ibsanity. Yeah. Would you be able to bring yourself to hate him? Not May- Dom Dwyer hate. I mean, Maybe. how do you feel about Felipe? Like that's the question, basically. <sighs> but Felipe isn't a legend the way that Ibsen yeah. Is, right? No, but he's, I don't, a, he's a petulant, I- diving. <laughs> Skilled central midfielder. I, I'm gonna say no, but I, at the same time, I can I can definitely see myself getting mad, and I, it's it's tough. Off. But like I said, I I honestly I feel pretty confident that he's gonna last one more year for the stadium open, and, and then and then call it a call it a day and hang it hang up the boots. Uh, I'm, I'm I'm gonna say uh, the, the great thing about Ibsen is. Uh, I hate, I would hate him the same level I hate him now, <laughs> right? I mean, because the things that he does, where you're like, get get up, stop flailing, and just just get the freaking ball. I mean that that kind of level of hate that I'm yelling from the stands, it would just be the opposite, right? <laughs> I mean, but but Ibsen isn't um, his petulance when it's bad is more toward toward the the things that I hate as as his fan, right? He's not really. Um, He's not really diving or conniving or, um, uh, you know, he'll go down a little bit easy. I guess he will sometimes. But um, I don't think I would hate him that much, to be honest. I think that he's hilarious. You know, when he again had one of those things where he's on the ground and he's doing like a break dance with the ball. <laughs> and then he puts it under his shirt, pretends to be pregnant, <laughs> runs around and kicks. I mean, it's just like, Jesus, is that even legal? And somehow it, it is when Ibsen does it. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, it, it will be really fun. I'm, I'm really curious to see what happens if uh, Luis Fernando or Maximilian or what, whatever he's going to go by with the jersey. I mean, I think it's even a different spelling than the way he's listed from uh, sure. Fluminense. And, and he'll probably call it, change his name to, uh, I don't know, Eddie Silva Brenneman or something like that <laughs> just for me. Uh, but watching watching him and Ibison get some time together and just streaming each other in Portuguese, I think is going to be really fun I hope it does happen right I mean love to see both of them out in the field in the middle of like July when it's hot and just trying to see how yeah or or a complete disaster I mean it's going to be a a 50-50 coin toss I mean if Ibsen plays against us I mean it makes it a bit more fun yelling at him when he actually falls and no one hits him right I mean that that makes it the that makes it the the, the obvious second as a fan you're like yes I want to yell at the guy that flops yeah Uh, and so no but I, I think um there's a question that was actually kind of interesting. Oh, okay. uh, well, this guy. 
Mr. Popular. No, I run no, this I show just here. wanted to know. I just wanted to. I just wanted to know. <laughs> point, points wise, what is it? What, what do you? Would you consider a successful season? Points, points wise, I think we scored. Uh, was it? Was it uh, 36, 36 points last season? Ten wins is what what I remember. About so it. I think I think what as a San Jose was the last team to qualify, they scored maybe 45, 46 points. Mm. It's so, always around there. 40, 44, 45, 46 is the right. playoff line. So, so I mean, for me personally, I would I would I would I would ask to be around that area. You know, uh, you know, what would be forty points, forty. I, I I go with forty four points. I'd like to see this get to 44 forty four. Forty five is a three win improvement. Nine more uh, points. Would, That's uh, what's bananas is how tight it is. It's just... Yeah, I would like to see... I think see, it's doable. I, I, I think we had... Uh, I, I, I judge it this way. Last year we had, mm, off the top of my head, two really solid wins against really good teams where they weren't weekend or anything. That's Portland and uh, Sporting Kansas, Kansas City at home. Um, maybe I'm, I'm, I'm forgetting. I don't know. Igor Julial playing as a... Uh... Right back. Yeah, that's pretty weak into <laughs> Okay, sure. But um, uh, I, I think, you know, it's unlike like the Real Salt Lake win, right, where they're playing with like basically literal paper tigers as uh, defenders. Um, and this game, the, you know, these first two wins, Orlando and Chicago Fire, I think, great, we need those points. But I would like to see us beat, you know, our next four games, right? We have uh, Red Bulls away. We should lose that. Atlanta at home. Atlanta are a great team. Portland and Seattle away are struggling, like, uh, but, but all of those games we should lose, right? I would on like paper. to see us win one of those, yeah. right? I mean, if we won one of those, I would start to feel more confident, right? And so I don't, if we don't beat last year's tally, I don't care. I would like to see us have three or you know four or five games that we beat toronto when we're at home or something so, or so be, you'll be you'll be okay with 36 points again yeah if if i feel like we're now a team that actually can uh not just get points but also beat really good teams okay and not just like weakened teams. i feel like there's no way like that we would become points. that team and also only get 36 points yeah huh? sure but yeah, that's, no, that's i, I, I agree with alex that's some glass half full i think i think i think i think we at least these couple of Couple of games we've shown the potential to be able to be we've been improved as as we are now, uh, and you know who knows we have a we have a four, four game stretch that that's gonna that's gonna be a good test. Yeah, uh, I wouldn't be surprised if we tie a couple of these games. It'd be amazing. Uh, that that'd be. And I, I, don't, that. I don't. I mean, I mean, weirdest things have happened. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, uh, with with us at least last year. You know, and so I think it, it's it's possible. I think, I think. Shooting for forty and, uh, and above points, I think that would be uh, that w- that would be uh, a good improvement. Man, the, the team's having fun. They're they're playing cohesively. Um, okay. We're having fun. Yeah, I'm just saying they haven't been really tested. Sure, so. I absolutely right. that and that's we, absolutely. Were, I mean, sorry, they were tested the first week in yeah. San Jose, right? Yeah, and they, and they weren't, and, and we haven't seen a lot of the internationals really get some playing time as well yeah. too, which is in the interesting part. We'll see how that plays out as well too. Yeah, for sure. All right, we got to call it. Uh, Rodrigo, Eric, Alex, thank you guys for joining. Uh, um, thank you, listeners. Uh, we'll see you back out there uh, at games. Uh, the next game, I guess, at home is the 31st. Uh, it's a night game, so you can make it, Rodrigo. Uh, uh, yeah, I'll try. Okay. Try. <laughs> uh, anyway, thank you, everyone. Uh, we will all see you soon on the internet.